0: Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Café, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Café, and thank you for joining us. There are many challenges to growing your business, and really, I don't care what industry you're in but to make it even more difficult than it already is, now we have to deal with this COVID pandemic and a recession. Now, whether you believe it or not that we're heading into a recession, I say we are. And so you've got all these external factors that are impacting your business. You have these external challenges, such as frankly getting customers to come in and buy your products or services, but also the internal challenges such as leadership, getting your employees to buy into what you're doing, and really believing and standing behind your business. Well, today at the cafe, we're going to speak with Tony Penn. He's a business owner, an executive consultant, and a coach. We're gonna explore a variety of topics to help get your business back on track. So don't go away. We'll be right back after this quick break. My company, The Ponzi Group, provides consulting, interim, and fractional marketing and leadership services with a focus on the strategic and analytical side of marketing, we take a holistic approach to driving business growth. Consider us, your marketing architects. We use research to gather the necessary insights from your customers, prospects, the competition, and the marketplace to develop fact-based approaches to building effective and efficient growth plans. And much like a general contractor, we partner with internal teams or carefully selected vetted individuals and organizations to execute the strategies and plans, as well as provide oversight and management to ensure we stay on brand and plan. To learn more about our services, visit theponzigroup.com. As I mentioned, I'm joined by Tony Penn, business owner, executive coach, and consultant to talk leadership and the what's and the how's to help you focus during these crazy times. Tony, welcome, and thank you for joining me on the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Angela. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to be really fun, but before I want to put the, who you are and what you do in in, in context with my, uh, my listeners, and really, if I understand this correctly, you kind of have three different business groups, I'll call them, or separate businesses. You have the restaurant group, you have your business consulting, and then you have RDL training. So why don't we kind of start there and kind of give me an overview of what those different businesses are and, and, frankly, how they all work together.
1: Well, it's funny that you said that because they, they are different, but they many times do work together um, because a lot of the issues that uh, I'm dealing with with different clients are, are very similar, um, even though they're different industries. So obviously have the restaurant consulting business, which has uh, been my background for the majority of my career, uh, having done kind of soup to nuts, everything in that industry, um, with regard to, you know, executive leadership, ownership, you know, individual operations. Uh, I've kind of been exposed to everything in that world. Um, and in that world, it led me to have a pretty good understanding of how to start a business, how to run a business, uh, and how to deal with growth uh, and how to deal with with uh, challenges. And so that's kind of segued into, you know, some of the other Business consulting and and executive training I've done with results driven leadership and then individually coaching, um, you know, business folks that are either starting a business or growing it. So um, all that all that time and energy and effort in building businesses over the years, I've opened probably 50 over 50 restaurants uh, in all different shapes and sizes over my career. So. That process has is, is really helped me and and kind of launched me into being able to help others.
0: So, mm-hmm. Well, I think when I first was introduced to you, um, we belong to a group called Provisors. And I think the first time you set up and, and, and mentioned the restaurant group, and then everybody I talked to would say, oh, yeah, he's the restaurant guy. <laughs> well, obviously, that's the, the hat that you seem to wear a lot or at least the, the one that people recognize yeah. you as. Um, well, if I could just, uh, the reason for
1: that is I didn't start off that way with providers. I started off just talking about what I do, you know, build teams, you know, help train leadership and this and that. Oh, and by the way, you know, my background is restaurants. And all of a sudden it's like restaurants. Wow. Let's talk about food. So, uh, I, I think people kind of, you know, associated me with that because that's what they wanted to, to talk about all the time. So I just became the Restaurant guy from being more interesting.
0: (laughs) Well, and I think people could relate to it, right? Yes. Then you know some of the consulting work that we all do. Unless you're kind of in it, there's that mystery of what you actually do to move people along or to educate or train. But if you say restaurants, (laughs) everybody is eating at a restaurant, and they think they know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and it and I, I, you and I talked earlier and. And, you know, I had the opportunity to to work in this field and I'll save some of that because that's part of our conversation. But when you look and you're on the outside looking in versus on the inside looking out, it is way different. I was told so many times that this is a very difficult business, the restaurant business. And it wasn't until I was working with clients and and frankly, um, Owned one for about six months that I realized how difficult it was and it was way outside. The ownership was way outside of where I wanted to be. But, you know, I understood working behind the scenes and being involved with a lot of uh, different groups, uh, you know, what it really takes and, and who the best operators or at least the more efficient operators can be. So, you know, one of the things I I like to ask all my guests are some consistent questions because I love to hear the answers. And and I find such that the diversity of guests and the diversity of answers is always interesting. So when it comes to growing your business and you can pick whatever of the three you want to talk about, what keeps you up at night?
1: Well, I got to be honest with you, Angelo, that that, that nothing really keeps me up at night. I I sleep really good. I I always have. you know, the, 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 the stress that most people incur is a lot of times dealing with things that they don't control. Um, and so I try to focus a lot of my energy and effort on what it is I have control of. Um, and so if I'm able to take that, you know, those situations and, and kind of be able to strategize how I'm going to deal with it and, you know, and, and put focus and time and energy into it. It generally works out okay. It doesn't necessarily mean it's always successful, uh, but it doesn't stress me out to where it keeps me up. Um, so, uh, you know, try, obviously I'm the same uh, challenges that a lot of people have, especially nowadays with trying to figure out, you know, how to pivot the business uh, to make sure it fits the world we live in today. So, you know, that part of it uh, has been very challenging. Um, but I, you know, I try to spend the day working on what I can control and I feel a little bit more comfortable about that because, you know, I've, I've had a lot of experience dealing, you know, with adversity in the industries that I've worked in, especially the restaurant industry, mm-hmm. which is, uh, which is going through its own adversity at the moment. So, um, I, that part is actually exciting to me, figuring out how to solve problems, but they have to be problems I can control if that makes sense. Sense.
0: it makes a lot of sense and 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 i'm going to guess that that kind of approach and kind of philosophy that you have really dovetail into your uh training i mean your leadership training right i mean it's i think as leaders getting people to recognize what they have control over versus what they don't right. have control over is, is got to be you know key to what you're doing
1: yeah and i think a big part of it too is is what is the outcome that you're looking for? What is the specific results? You know, I named our company Results Driven Leadership just because it was a lot of times we focus on the process, you know, prior to what the result is that we're specifically looking for. And I, we kind of go backwards. It's like, if you're looking for a particular outcome to a conversation that you're having with somebody, then everything that you do up to that point has to be able to, to result in that outcome. So, if the outcome is that you want somebody to change their behavior um, and be, you know, and handle things differently, you have to come at it with a specific plan as to how you're going to get that done. And certainly, being emotional and and isn't going to get it done. And um, and there's just a lot of steps that you need to take, and always keeping that outcome in mind. Um, and and you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it just trying to shift people's thinking a little bit as to how to get results versus the way they've kind of done so in the past and helpful.
0: No, I think that's great. I, you know, so many times from a marketing standpoint, you know, the calls I get is I need, you know, a a new social campaign or digital campaign. And my attitude is, well, let's time out, let's go into the future. Where do you want to be? And let's work backwards. Let's deconstruct that process and then determine what you really need to get there. And, and that, and that's always a struggle. And I I think you might find that as well to get people to think that way, because it's, you know, especially in this digital world, there's this instantaneous gratification and recognition that, you know, I need something tomorrow. Probably the big, one of the bigger struggles I, I've I've had really throughout my career is convincing companies to do market research. Not, and, and sometimes it's not even the expense; it's the time. Like I don't have time to do it. Well, y- y- so you just want to throw all these dollars out there and and hope like heck it actually works, versus spending a little time and money to make sure it's going to work or at least not your chances. And it's, it's always been a really interesting challenge. What is the, the best business advice you've ever received and, or given if it's different?
1: Um, Well, I I mean, that's, I've gotten obviously good, good advice from, from a lot of people. I've been exposed to a lot of talented people and, and, You know, everybody's always asking, especially in the restaurant world, what, you know, are some of the keys and secrets to success? Um, and there isn't one key to it. And so, uh, a lot of times I'm given advice on importance of preparedness and, and study, and you already said it, um, research, you know, if you look around the world today, because we get information so fast, Um, we don't spend the time researching. And then, just an example, in the restaurant world, we go to a restaurant on a Saturday night, you know, back in (laughs) pre-pandemic at 7.30 and we're like, this is, it's a gold mine. Um, Without really doing the research and really trying to understand um, all the intricacies and trying to fill in whatever the gaps that exist in your understanding and knowledge. And to your point, uh, the best advice, That I give is to educate yourself. You have to take that time, that initial upfront discipline in strategizing and planning. And it sucks, man. And none of us really like doing it. It's not part of human nature. We feel it in our heart and we want to just run out and go do it. You know, oh, I'm I'm so passionate about opening a restaurant. it's something I've always wanted to do. I got a nickel for every time I've heard that. And I just slam the brakes. We ha- you have to take a step back and do all of the due diligence necessary to determine, you know, if it even makes sense. Forget about your concept and where you want to go and hours of operation, all the things that are in your head right now. It's like, okay, what really makes sense for you? Let's think about it. And do you have the time? Is it part of your personal vision of what you want to do with your life? Uh, do you have the money? Because that's number one on the list. Uh, for why the things don't succeed in business. And, uh, you know, so I, it, it's that kind of discipline is, is what was taught to me early on was that I couldn't let, you, you need the passion and the desire, but I couldn't let that drive the process. Right. I had to have uh, the due diligence and understanding, most importantly, what I don't know, what I truly don't know. And fill that gap in with either research or people.
0: Yeah, it's uh, and you you mentioned use the word emotional and and you know people get passionate about their product or their service and they get a little blindsided. I, you know, it's uh, just because you build it and and you like it and you used it doesn't mean that anybody else is going to buy it. And I remember when I was. <laughs> making that decision to, to look at a franchise. And one of the things in, you know, location, 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 right. And, and we spent a ton of time looking at drive patterns who came into the community, who left the community, you know, what the day parts were looking like before we ever actually settled on a, on a location. And I thought we had a good one and I think we did, but I, you know, there were a lot of other issues with the, with the parent company that uh, forced us to, to sell before we even got going. Um, so the the last of, of my questions on this before we kind of jump into it, into more into the, all the stuff that you do is if your journey was a book, what would the title be?
1: Wow. That is loaded. Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about this because you didn't give me these questions ahead of time. So I,
0: it, I, I didn't.
1: Um, and, and I know you did that on purpose. Uh, but it's it, you know the book on uh, human connection, you know the the journey, everything that uh, I've accomplished and everything that's been satisfying in my life up to this point is about the willingness and the desire and the ability to make a human connection. Um, so the, I guess that how how do you how do you do that, you know? And some of it is how you approach it, and some of it is just innate. You were just born with that ability. I go through this all the time with clients. It's like if you don't have that innate ability to connect with another human, you need to find somebody that will. Especially if you're going to be running the show, because that's going to be the difference between your success and your. And so, um, you know, the the title being, you know, how to make that connection, and and uh, I, I've been fortunate in my life and in my work to be able to to be able to do that. To where i've been able to establish great relationships learn from a lot of great people and and, and in turn help people so i don't know if that answered the question or not
0: well no, that's good I, I it's it's about connections i mean it yeah. it truly, really, ultimately it really is it's about those relationships and, and having the right connections so we talked a little bit going into this that you have several businesses and, and so, for clarification, this is for, for me because I was obviously looking at your websites and things like that. <laughs> but you also talk about restaurants, but you also talk about healthcare. I think you have another partner that talks about aerospace. I mean, so these are pretty diverse industries. And and so, how did how did you end up in these industries, or is it really is just circumstance that these are the people with their experience that that you have on your team within these categories?
1: Well, it, it is circumstance. Uh, you know, I was working with one of the partners of Results Driven Leadership on some other, uh, you know, peer advisory group projects that we were doing and just locally. And then we just started talking and, and he knew this other gentleman that was in the aerospace industry. And it, there was really no plan on, OK, you're the restaurant guy. I'm the, you're the aerospace guy. It was more like what uh, are our growing business? What are businesses needing? Because a lot of them, and healthcare is a perfect example, and we just, by the way, fell into that one. That wasn't somebody knew somebody that knew somebody, one of those things. And then we talked to them and did a whole day-long seminar for them, and they're like, oh, this sounds great. But the point of it all was that what they needed was help with some basic leadership skills and some soft skills that uh, they weren't able to incorporate into their uh, infrastructure because they were growing too fast. And one day, uh, I'm a clinician, uh, you know, helping doing one task. The next day, I got a team of 20. Okay. I don't know how to manage my time. I don't know how to run a meeting. I don't know how to get my employees to buy in. Uh, I, what am I going to do? And so, we have workshops that are really centered around those universal leadership skills. Uh, and we're, in fact, believe me, I walked into this going, Hey, I've never. Worked in the healthcare industry. What the hell do I know? Uh, but as soon as we got in there and just started talking about the things, you know, dealing with difficult people, and and they're just all big wide eye, like, wow, that that makes a lot of sense. And there was never a situation that they, when they you know called upon us to help them, that we couldn't help them because we were in that world of mm-hmm. growth and having a team and having being, you know, needing to be able to connect with that team and make. And, and get results uh and there was just certain skills that you don't automatically have that you have to be taught or that you have to be shown so it's been great i i'm i'm really enjoying it we're really helping these folks out you know and and we now we're inspired and we're, we got a couple others that were you know non-specific industry related that that uh we able to help out as well so Um, that's, I'm I'm extremely motivated to keep doing it. It's great.
0: Well, I I think you, you made a great point that, that regardless of the industry, I mean, there really are some fundamental issues that we all experience. And, and, you know, a lot of times somebody will come and like, I had a a call earlier today. I was like, you know, if you, can you help me in the, in the, in the medical field? And it's like, well, I've done research in the medical field. I've worked with clients in the medical field. They, but but you do, you do this very specific thing. And that my point to them was it doesn't really matter, exactly. right? You have a fundamental marketing problem. It, the rest is, it, it doesn't, it's, it, it, you don't care about it. And, you know, so we fight all the time, fight, argue, debate, whatever you want to use, the word you want to use with, with potential clients because they're looking for somebody who grew up in an industry for 20 years. And my point is you're getting all this experience. I mean, literally from semiconductors to ice cream, in the problems that these companies have that I'm bringing to bear on, on something else. And that's kind of right. what you're doing. You're bringing all this knowledge of, of leadership and training and things like that. So, you know, the industry doesn't really matter. Yeah. Where do you find you spend your time? Is there a specific category or specific uh, what well, businesses?
1: I, you know, it's, it's changed since the pandemic. So I'm, you know, that's, that's, that's part of it. Uh, we were doing this virtual training with this healthcare company prior to the pandemic. Uh, so we were already on Zoom. Uh, nothing, you know, they have some different challenges that they have now, but so nothing got interrupted there. But with regard to, to the restaurant world, my time shifted to trying to help and trying to figure out how to help these businesses survive. They were uh, dealt an extremely uh, brutal blow uh, in, in a world that's never been experienced. So it's not like you had a wealth of information on how to deal with it. So I spend a lot of my time, uh, putting these roundtable groups together, of uh, restaurant. And initially it was, okay, how do we, what do we do? You know, how do we, mm-hmm. you know, set our restaurants up to survive? How do we set them up to meet the guidelines from the state? Um, so there was a lot of time and energy that went in that. I brought a lot of people I knew from ProVisors in. Uh, attorneys insurance uh you know some landlords just to kind of talk about what we could do to to get through this that particular time it's kind of evolved into okay now what are you dealing with specifically what are you trying to accomplish and then let's this group uh, let this group help you and let myself from a coaching perspective help you so it's kind of you know shifted from the consulting world to the collaborative coaching world uh, it's and it's It's going well and people are getting a lot of value out of it because, you know, I think restaurant people are very insular. You know, they don't like to get out there and go, hey, you know, help me, everyone. Uh, And they think, you know, a lot of them are very ego driven, which is how they got into the business and why they've probably been successful. But now the world's changed and and collaboration is the the movement, you know, and and these people are like, hey, I don't care who helps me. I just want help, even if it's, you know, somebody that back in the day might have been perceived as competition. Which it really isn't, but um, it's just proving to have an extra uh, a tremendous amount of value um, to be able to to bounce ideas off people, and, and especially when there's you know 150 years of experience around the table, you know. Mm-hmm. So I've, you, I've been kind of spending a lot of time doing that.
0: Yeah, I, I want to stay on the restaurant conversation for a little bit, and mm-hmm. so what do you think? And, and 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 you can tell me first. I mean, are you working with? You know full service or is primarily, right? So I mean well, my background is QSR, fast casual, casual dining, ice cream, that kind of stuff. but but you're working I'm, more full service restaurants or no,
1: it's it's everything. I've got full service, fine dining, quick serve, fast casual. it's okay again, the the issues it's one of those things where okay, um if if I have a marketing issue as a, a fast casual uh, business owner, the, the people around the table have been in the industry for a while, so there's a, there's some good input. It's not like the idea is, okay, here's the answer, now go do it. It's like, here's some ideas that spark thought, and that's what I'm seeing. It's like, oh, you know what? That makes perfect sense, although if I did it this way based on the fact that it's fast casual or whatever. Um, because a lot of the people I'm working with have worked in you know in different types of restaurants and different types of food service. So it's, but the, the groups I'm working with are all over the board.
0: Okay.
1: You, brand, you know.
0: Are you finding um, a, a very consistent, I don't want to say the word challenge. I, I'm looking for uh, kind of operational uh, blindness <laughs> that, that you see these restaurants doing. I mean, it's, it's coming to the fact is that survival it's looking for opportunities whether, you know, we saw a lot of restaurants turn themselves into grocery stores, you know, doing takeouts, all sorts of things. But but that's that kind of reactive situation, right? They're reacting to survive. What are some of the proactive things you see com- uh, re- these restaurants doing or the huge, mis- I'll say huge, mistakes that they're making that, you know, potentially could be their demise?
1: Well, the the, the quick answer to that is those that reacted quickly and realized that takeout and uh, a lot of the other ancillary opportunities that you had with meal kits and grocery stores and things like that, that was going to be, we just got to get creative with how we do it. I had a client that she, man, she went all in on the meal kits and redid her website and talked about what she was doing. She was well known as having you know great food and she did very well. You know, she was did better than survive during that time. So the point being that those that that jumped on it early and figured out how to do it and how to execute it uh, properly um, and effectively are the ones that it, have been able to carry that over. Still to this day, those that hunkered down in the beginning and, and thought this was going to be over soon and, and said, hey, I can't do takeout. I'm not a, we're not a takeout restaurant. Uh, or takeout is such a small percentage of what we do, or we're not set up for takeout, uh, are the ones that are, are struggling more. They got their PPP money, uh, but the PPP money running out and the business getting back to where it was are not following along the same trajectory. So once that PPP money starts running out over the next few months, you're going to see some carnage out there, uh, a lot where some people are aware of, and that's a whole separate topic. but. Uh, it's the the, the the people that have honed and worked on that takeout and that ancillary revenue stream opportunity are the ones that are doing a lot better because, okay, we were able to open 25%. Uh, okay. I added that in to what I was doing. I didn't stop doing what I was doing. I added that in. Okay. We got shut down on that, but now we can expand our patios. Okay. So, now I'm, I'm, I'm putting my effort in that. I'm working with my landlord. I have one client uh, that works, that, that's an Irvine company, who amazingly enough was extremely supportive on building out parking lots for patio space. And now I'm not talking about sitting in a parking lot. I'm talking about umbrellas and planters and artificial turf and, you know, and it looks really good. And, but they still kept their takeout and meal kit business and they added that to it. Now twenty five percent dining in is back uh, is, is back in, and so they've got that they added to it. So it's the ones that have kind of kept uh, everything moving and worked on ways and creative ways to be able to make it execute at a higher level are the ones that are surviving this. Um, and, and and I have a lot of great examples of it. It's just some wow. real in, ingenuity and innovativeness.
0: Well, my, my next question is tell me a success story. So why don't you go ahead and pick one or two that, uh, that the I, audience. Two that I, here. That,
1: yeah, there's two that come to mind. Left Coast Brewery in Irvine is a perfect example um, where they, they're – it's kind of a sports bar, you know, a brewery. They make their own beer there. They make their own whiskey there too um, in a small scale. And they have the bigger uh, brewery down in San Clemente. But, you know, it was fast casual. you go up. It's got a full, you know, bar. You go up, you order, you sit down, they bring you your food. Um, So they had a smaller patio in the back. uh, But once this went down, um, they had to get creative on takeout. So they produced a menu of executable uh, meal kits, uh, feeding four to five people. This will feed your family. They also had larger ones where you could feed it for a week. Um, and at that time it was like, okay. And they were reasonably priced too, when, when you kind of break it down. So they kind of figured out what made sense, uh, how to package it, how to market it. they they have a pretty good social media presence. Um, I'm smacking them in the head to keep his website up to date. He initially didn't do it. You know, it was just kind of just like it was. I'm like, no, get out there, get out front, be out front. You're the guy running it. You know, Hey, this is what we're doing. So. Uh, and then when the patio situation happened, again, I, I, I mentioned that that Irvine Company helped them significantly by allowing them to do this and by, by, you know, giving them some of the resources to do it. And they he built a beautiful patio and, uh, you know, these social media is ta- showing the patio, talking about the patio, still doing the meal kits, still doing takeout, uh, significantly higher than pre-pandemic because we're still that. Group of people that that doesn't want to you know sit in a restaurant. Um, and he's he's there's weeks he's up over prior year, which mind-boggling. And the reason yeah. for that is because takeout and delivery you know is so high. And I'm not talking third-party delivery because again that's a whole other discussion. But you know he incentivized the process with a lot of. It. I helped him with a lot of this. Was let's make the pickup experience great. So you don't have to spend the commissions on the third party delivery. And so he did that. And, you know, and so he's doing well, I'm really proud of him. He's, he was, you know, this is stuff that he never really did, had to do prior mm-hmm. to all this going down. So,
0: well, I think a lot of the restaurants especially are doing things that they never thought, right. It's um, it, it, it's very creative. There's a, a restaurant out by me that is probably one of the more popular ones and And all of a sudden they were, you know, they turned their site into a grocery store, basically. So you could literally instead of getting the the tomahawk uh, ribeye um, at the restaurant, you can now order it and cook it yourself. And 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 then they did the patio expansion and things like that, too. And 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 they're they're doing well. And and uh, people had to be creative and I think continue to be creative, because one of the things I I always look at and and maybe you've got a crystal ball, but I don't. What's going to happen tomorrow? We we just don't know. And so I spend a a lot of time lately doing, uh, you know, what if scenarios, what if these things don't happen or don't come back or this happens or that happens or the state of California decides to do something different. You have to be prepared for these now things that we never maybe would have thought about because we're just going well, right? When things are great, uh, you know, uh, the tide rises all boats, whatever that saying happens to be. And People are doing well and when they're doing well, they don't think they need to do all this other stuff. And then when their things aren't so well, they're reactionary and and scrambling and versus they could have just been in a better situation. What um, so kind of to to end this discussion on on um, restaurants, if you will, if you could give me give me three tips that if there's a restaurant owner listening today, here are three things. Here's four things. I'll give you. Here's what you should do.
1: Don't do it. No. Sal,
0: what um, <laughs> so, are you talking no. about? It? They're already
1: open, or they're thinking about it. Okay.
0: Well, they're. I got to go open. Anybody's uh, thinking about opening a restaurant right now is probably no. exactly right. Don't do it.
1: Um. Yeah. If you the, the the tips, one of the tips I will give, utilize the resources that you have. To create innovation and and come up with some ideas. A lot of times, restaurant owners and managers will sit in 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 a room and bang their head up against the wall, trying to figure everything out. Uh, it's just a natural human reaction. I this is you know my my deal. I'm in charge, uh, so I got to come up with some good good ideas. And I'm not saying you're not out there researching it or anything, but the bigger is, is gather your team. And and start that collaborative process of your team works front lines, man. They got some great ideas that you have no idea. And just because, and it doesn't matter who they are, whether they're washing dishes or serving or bartending or or hosting or whatever the case, cooking. There's some great ideas that that people have that have. Then they talk about it off to the side, or they talk about it at home with their family and friends. But you need to get that out of them. You need to create an environment where people can trust the fact that that uh, they're going to be listened to. And there's some so utilize all your resources. Your team is, is a lot more creative and, and thoughtful than you th- think they are. That's I learned that back in the day, and it's more so uh, relevant now I think than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other part of it is you know, the, the, and we, I mentioned, I think earlier is, is the planning and strategic piece to this where, you know, you mentioned it already that you're thinking, you know, what if, uh, and because a lot of those, what if things have to be done today. So like great example is if you if you've got a patio, uh, uh, that you're, that's working for you and, um, it's a big part of your revenue stream at this point. What's gonna? What are you doing if if we don't get to tier three in California, or tier four, uh, by the end of the year, and the weather starts to turn? You know, what are you doing to and uh, be able to, to block out cold and block out rain and and create some heat so that you have an opportunity to you know be able to, to because if you're only at twenty five percent and it gets cold. It's, it's going to be very difficult and then you're going to start making some potentially bad decisions about whether 25% is worth, you know, losing your business for or whatever, which has happened somewhat in the past. So, uh, pre-planning and pre-thinking about what those contingency issues are. And, and, uh, that's the other thing I'm working with, with clients on right now. Um, uh, and, and, and the whole concept of, uh, Being strategic and and creating that roadmap today about what it might look like in the future and having various contingencies kind of lined up, plans A, B, C, and D, or whatever you want to call it, based on what may or may not happen. Because, you know, nothing, this is going to be around for a while. Uh, There's just a, a pretty decent chunk of the population that is waiting for a vaccine, whether you agree with it or not or like it or uh, and so that's your customer base. The, the, I don't give a crap. I don't care what the situation is. I'm going out. It, it, it's a decent amount of people, but I don't think it's the long term going to sustain your business based on the fact that restaurants, as you know, are, the profitability margin is so slim that that's not enough. Patio's not enough. Takeout's not enough. 25% is not enough it's the combination of them all that's going to help you survive. And you better come up with a plan as to how you're going to do that.
0: Uh, I didn't even think about the winter coming up, but you're right. I mean, people need to start thinking now how you're going to handle this. If, if we're still here in three or four months and, and, you know, it's going to be 90 something today here on uh, September 16th, but, In another month, it could turn cold and now we've got a whole different situation. Part of this tip was listen to your team, which is going to be my segue into your leadership training. because I think a lot of times that becomes a a huge example of who's listening to who and where does that start. Right. Because you you talk about um, on your on your uh, website about a five step process to getting employees to buy into the business. But it's a little bit of the chicken or the egg for me. And so I, I, is it start at the top with leadership and work its way down? Or are we talking about just really the base or back to the word you used, a collaboration and a combination of, of top down, bottom up? Because without leadership buying into it, it doesn't really matter because the employees will know. I've worked for companies where, you know, the, the employees, you could talk to them and they would they'd communicate And then the leader would walk in the door and and say the complete opposite, and you know, just kind of destroy everything that was going on. So, so how do you you see this in in your work as far as leadership training versus employee training?
1: To your point, it's all related with regard to some of the things we've already talked about, which has to do with that making a real connection with people, as opposed to when you're in a leadership position, a lot of times uh, it's just been created through experience over the years that I listen to you because you're the leader, but do I, do I really listen? And am I I really buying off, buying into what you're saying? Or is it just like, yes, boss, yes, boss, I got it. So uh, the, the, the training is, is universal with regard to how do I get people to buy in, you know, and at, at any level. And a lot of that has to do with, obviously, the clarity of the message. That's kind of the first thing is making sure what is the standard? What are we looking for? You know, what do we want to accomplish at any level? Um, and, and why is that important? And how does that affect you? That's the other thing that gets left out all the time. What is what is in it for you? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so most people have trouble communicating that, which leads to the second step, which is that level of communication. Which you're, you're. It's not you dictating. Here's what the standards are. It's you having a collaborative conversation. Here's kind of what the standard is. Let's get creative. How do we get there? How we get there? Because a lot of times what happens is we create a standard. It doesn't happen. We lower the standard so that the the employee base or whoever it is we're dealing with can get there. As opposed to let's put the time in and come up some creative ideas on how we're going to get there. Let's not lower it. Let's just You know, why don't you tell me, what do you need for me to be able to perform at that level? What can I do? How do I need to change? And if you're honest about it and you create an environment where people can trust that you're sincere, they're going to start telling you. I would go into restaurants and, you know, oh, here comes, you know, when I was an executive VP, oh, here comes the big, bad VP, you know, but I wouldn't go in and be like, oh, hey, what are we doing tonight to, you know, make sure that the, the customer is happy? I go in and, and start asking them how, what's going on in their personal life. You know, mm-hmm. how's the family? How are things going? Uh, you know, I understand your daughter's not, you know, been sick. You know, just things that people don't normally expect that builds that environment of trust and honesty. So then when I do go in there after that, they come up to me and they'll tell me exactly what's going on because they trust me. That guy seems to care, you know, so that's the level of, of, uh, uh' trust and communication that's necessary to be able to get that buying and then you, and then after that then accountability becomes a little bit easier. It's like okay, we're very clear we, we've talked about everything we need. what's the problem now? And then the final part of that is consequence and because if you if you' if you're you know go through all this process and there's never a consequence when it's not being met then it just kind of goes out the window. And, and, and you mentioned that boss that comes in, you know, if, if, if you're saying one thing and doing something else, it's just, you might as well not say anything. It's, it's worse. Uh, so, you know, and the consequence being negative, if things aren't working out and positive if they are and being able to celebrate victory and things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's a big part. Everything that we talk about kind of all comes into, okay, are people actually listening to you? Do they actually believe you? Are they? Are do they think you're sincere? Because then you can make mistakes and be vulnerable, and people are like, "That's cool, you know." Uh, I appreciate that.
0: Well, you mentioned you used the word in the very beginning of this conversation: relationships, and and really, it's about a relationship between the employer and the employees. And and again, without the employees, I don't care how great your business is, so to speak. If you don't have people running it for you, then you don't have a business and just like if you don't have customers right so it's it's it, it is up and down one of the things that i always work with my clients is about internal communications and i because it's important and i've had experience when i'd sit walk down the hallway if you will and start talking to somebody on the team and hey what do you think about this or that and they look at me and say, i have no idea what you're talking about um it's pretty sad because <laughs> they're walking out the yeah. door tonight and and they won't be able to talk about all the wonderful things. Right. So it's, it's, it's been mind boggling when that happens. And, and uh, you know, again, the right hand, left hand kind of thing going on. We're kind of coming down to an end. I I have one last question before we Mm -hmm. we sign off here. And I, and I think you've said it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What gets you out of bed in the morning? What, what inspires you to get up and do what you do?
1: Right. I think, you know, when you're, when you're younger, you, you're, you're a little more, your head's down a little more and you're kind of grinding away trying to accomplish the tasks of the day. Um, and what the end result of that, when, whenever you are successful, however you are successful, uh, is that's when it kind of, as you get older, there's certain revelations. And one of the revelations for me is, was, was I, I like seeing people succeed. I enjoy when people are successful and I've helped them do that. And, and if success is just to get through that day and be successful, like it's been through this freaking pandemic, it's like when I see these people survive and thrive and I've helped them to some degree to get there, that brings me a lot of joy and a lot of pleasure. And it's really more about that than even the money side of it. The money, the money kind of will come along, but, uh, when I can get up and help people, that, that, that gets me fired up. I enjoy
0: that. that yeah. Well, yeah, it does. And, and actually it's, it's kind of my answer too. It's, there's nothing for me, you know, in judging success is for the client, the client's successful, right. And we've exactly. done our job. I, I, I was in a, a meeting uh, about six months ago, I guess it was now, uh, kind of a, 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 was a board meeting, but it was the last live board meeting we had in, and the uh, client or, that I'm a board member on, but I also, in previous couple of years, I was also their CMO and their consultant. And he turned to me in the meeting, and it been it had been about six months since I, I, my contract ended. He turned to me and said, see, we're implementing your plan. <laughs> I said, thank you. <laughs> and see, you're on track. I'm, unfortunately, yeah. COVID's knocked them off track. But they were on track to it, going into year three, right on plan and doing well because they were executing and now of course things are, are a little bit different. Well this has been this has been a great conversation. We covered a, a whole lot of topics and uh, and really some great nuggets in there for for the listeners and and, and, I, and again, I always learn in these and it, it's great and we explored uh, kind of both sides or two sides of your of your businesses. so thank you for sharing. Um, it's been a lot of fun. So why don't you tell the audience uh, how they can reach you, your website, your LinkedIn, all that good stuff.
1: I just come over to my house. I live in Costa Mesa and, you know, we'll have a party in the in the backyard.
0: But, yeah, with social um, distance all right.
1: right? Of course, duh. I, ha- I have a restaurant website and a, you know, a consulting, you know, business consulting website, but it's all on penultimateconsulting.com. That's where you can find everything you need. Penultimateconsulting.com. And if you want to get a hold of me personally, it's pen at penultimateconsulting.com. And, or if you want to call me, you can call me 818- five one zero one seven five three. So, and 24 uh, seven. No, I'm kidding. Cause I'm sleeping. Cause I'm sleeping. Well, thank you. <laughs> and thanks for having me, Angela. I appreciate it. I really do. It's great talking to you.
0: Enjoy. Yeah, thank it. you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you for joining us at the cafe today. Now, if your business needs a CMO or senior marketing leadership, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, connect with me to find out more about my fractional interim consulting services or visit theponzigroup.com to find out a ver- to find a variety of resources, blogs, videos, ebooks, and certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. And lastly, if you're a subscriber to the show, please let others know about this this show so they can subscribe too to benefit from the great content like we heard today with Tony. You can jo- uh, sign up at thebusinessgrowthcafe.com or on any podcast platform you like to listen to. And don't forget to join me next week at the Business Growth Cafe and. In- Tony, thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Angelo. Appreciate it. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.